Welcome to IJ Notes, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes to explore the work of journalists around the world. This is Brooke for the IJNet team. On this episode, we caught up with immigration reporter Maya Krishnan after she returned from a two-week reporting trip to San Pedro Sula, Honduras. Maya writes about the U.S.-Mexico border and immigration issues for Voice of San Diego, a local publication in Southern California. She's also one of ICFJ's 2019 Bringing Home the World Fellows. Today we'll talk to Maya about some of her experiences reporting on immigration issues on the ground in the country where a majority of migrants to the U.S. are coming from. So first, I just want to ask, how long have you been covering immigration for Voice of San Diego? For about two years. Can you tell me a little bit about your trip and what you reported on while you were there? Yeah, so last year in 2018, at our border region, we saw two very large caravans of Central Americans, mainly from Honduras, um, coming to the border to seek asylum. And I spent so much time speaking with Hondurans here about why they were leaving um, that I felt like I wanted to go to Honduras for a while to see what it was like on the ground myself there. So going back to when you first found out that you were going to be able to go on this trip, what were your feelings going into it? How did you prepare? How did you make sure you were ready for the trip? I was really excited, but I also quickly became very anxious. <laughs> um, I work for a local publication. I, you know, I'm constantly surrounded by other reporters who cover the border and who've been covering the border for a really long time. And this is the place where we live. And recently, the border's become a very hot topic in the past several years. And so, you know, we're out there reporting and we constantly come across reporters who are just parachuting into a place and they get a lot of things wrong. And so I had a lot of anxiety about um, getting things wrong or, or not doing a good job. So I tried to really prepare as much as I could by talking to people before I left and trying to understand what people were thinking, what it would be like, and, and trying to build relationships with people before I left. What were some of the main questions that you had that you wanted to get answers to while you were there? So I wanted to hear about why people were leaving, but I wanted to hear about it from people who were trying to live in the country or, you know, people who had been deported or people who maybe hadn't reached the point of wanting to migrate yet. I wanted to get a better understanding of everything that was happening in that country that led people to leave. How is this reporting trip different than other maybe smaller reporting trips that you've done when you've traveled to Tijuana for a story? Well, it was it was intense. I mean, I often think of Tijuana as kind of part of my community. Um, it is a different city than San Diego, but there are so many people who go back and forth, and I have a lot of friends and sources who, who live in Tijuana, and so it doesn't feel like I'm reporting in a completely different place, whereas in Honduras it really felt like I was an outsider coming in, and that made things very difficult. <laughs> How did being more of an outsider coming into Honduras make your reporting more difficult? And what are some examples that you faced? 
Yeah. So one of the things I, I noticed that struck me was when I speak with asylum seekers from Honduras uh, here in, in Tijuana or in San Diego, they're a lot more open about talking about why they left, in particular if the reasons that they left were related to violence. And what I realized when I was there was that I was talking to people who are often you know, in the middle of, of a crisis, you know, they were often in the middle of these situations where their life was being threatened and they were very fearful in talking about violence and in particular perpetrators of violence. So I found it a lot harder to, to speak with people who were planning on leaving because they were so fearful of, of opening up to me. Uh, there was also kind of just this overall environment of distrust there where people didn't really know what anyone's um, purpose was and so they tended not to trust anyone unless you were vouched for. So how did you sort of navigate that and get people to vouch for you? I tried to you know develop relationships with a few people who could kind of help me get into community so sometimes those were advocates or pastors in certain communities and so if I would walk around with them or if they would put me in touch with someone then someone would be more willing to speak with me. Um, I also you know had a lot of contacts because I had gotten to know so many Hondurans here and so some of them put me in contact with their friends and family back there. Um, some of them had already been deported and I was able to to meet with them directly. Uh, so that was how I was able to kind of get around it. Who did you speak to once you got there and how did you find these sources? I honestly went in trying to speak with anyone who would talk to me, uh, so that meant uh, some local government officials, advocates, union leaders, deportees, pastors, some academics who studied economics, other things like that. So I, I really got a broad array of people and I even specifically tried to go into different areas. So I spent time in really highly urban areas, some more I guess you would compare them to suburbs, but like semi-rural areas um, and then also some really rural areas like where they grow coffee and things like that because I kind of tried to go in with the, with this idea that I knew nothing. So you obviously did immense preparation for the trip and already had the background of two years reporting at the border. So that being said, was there anything that you learned that really surprised you? I think the level of distrust really surprised me, um, which is maybe a little bit naive on my part, considering I, I had heard so much about all of the violence and um, the mistrust in the government and and just how desperate and hopeless people were. I had heard it here, but it was still so different to go there and, and just feel it in that same way, you know, just kind of feel that hopelessness and distrust. It was very different than, than just hearing about it. So you also did a podcast about your reporting in Honduras, and for those who want to know more about what Maya found on this trip, I definitely recommend it. It's on voiceofsandiego.org. One thing that you said that really struck me was, it all boils down to one thing, a loss of hope in the country. What led you to that conclusion? Yeah, I mean, I came to that conclusion because everyone said that. <laughs> everyone who I talked to, um, even the people who were you know, kind of more well-off, who maybe weren't victims of, of violence, who weren't struggling to make ends meet, you know, even they recognized that for most people in the country there was this hopelessness. And it was just, it was a statement that came up um, unprompted from pretty much anyone when I would ask them, you know, why are we seeing so many people leaving Honduras? What were some of the biggest hurdles you faced? 
so one of the things was that it was more difficult than I thought to be able to plan out interviews and kind of figure out what I would be doing and um, beforehand. A lot of people kind of needed to meet me before they decided they wanted to talk to me um, or they needed to know that I was actually in the country before they wanted to commit to anything. There were also these mass protests that were happening, and so every day there was a different road that was blocked off. Um, I couldn't go out at night pretty much at all because sometimes the protests got really dangerous. So that made things a lot more difficult. Um, I had a lot of canceled interviews and things that had to be rescheduled, and um, yeah, that, that kind of made things pretty difficult. Yeah, so there were protests while you were there and then there was also a massacre one night where five people were shot in the city while you were there. Was there any point during the trip where you personally felt threatened or unsafe? There was still a risk for me certainly and it was an increased risk than if I was out and about reporting in San Diego but I think part of being a foreign reporter and going into some of those places is kind of recognizing I guess that you have a level of privilege and safety that some of the people you're reporting on don't have. So there were definitely times when I had to be careful. Um, I remember there was one time when I was going around one community with a pastor and talking to some people who were deported and um, there were these young men who were part of the gang that was controlling that area would kind of follow me. You know, they, they remained sort of distant, but I could tell they were paying attention to who I was talking to and what I was asking them about. So, you know, it was things like that. But I think my, my biggest concern oftentimes was whether I was putting my sources at risk. Was there an interview that stood out to you or had a significant impact on you? So it was actually an interview that I did on my very last day there. It was an interview with a man who um, he had witnessed his sister's murder, uh, he along with his niece. And his niece and her sibling uh, and her siblings had already left for the U.S. and he was kind of debating whether or not he should go. And he was currently kind of in hiding while he made that decision because um, he and his niece had cooperated with authorities and in Honduras authorities aren't really trustworthy and oftentimes there are gang members who have connections with them or are sometimes embedded in them and so you know it was very possible that the person who had murdered his sister would find out that he was cooperating with the investigation and he had had reasons to think so because you know he he knew he was being watched you know the the same man who he had saw kill his sister was walking by his house often and and things like that so that interview was really impactful and i think one of the things that struck me was that trying to figure out a way to talk to him was really difficult uh, he ended up having to come to the airport for me to do my interview with him before i left on my flight that day because the airport was the safest place where we could meet um, where he didn't think he would be followed because, you know, there were cameras in the main areas and things like that. So that was really intense. I, I don't think I've ever had to be so wary of um, where I was interviewing someone and, and the repercussions of that interview before. So during this trip, you're obviously reporting on some heavy things. You're talking to people who are under threat of violence, who are facing poverty and corruption. How did you continue reporting when you felt maybe a little overwhelmed by it all. Yeah, you know, I think, um, again, like when we were talking about safety, I think a lot of times I try and remind myself that I am able to do this reporting because 
I am in a different situation um, and I am doing it so that people understand that there are others who are dealing with all of this violence and poverty. And so um, it was almost as though, um, you know, getting their stories out there and being able to talk to them and do that reporting and get it right was more important than, than my own feelings, at least, you know, while I was there in that moment. And then, you know, when I got back, I, I took a day off. I took some breathing time and things like that. What advice would you give to other journalists who are going to cover immigration from on the ground in these countries? Um, so one of the things I realized when I was talking to people uh, on the ground there was that a lot of them felt that foreign journalists came in with a very distinct idea of what they wanted to cover. And it seemed like it was very frustrating to people who were on the ground there. And so one of the things that I thought went really well when I was talking to people and, and made people trust me a lot more was when I sort of went in and said, listen, I'm from the U.S.-Mexico border. I have been meeting hundreds of hundreds, you know, in the past year who have been leaving in caravans. And I came here because I really want to find out what's going on. Like, can you tell me, you know, why you think so many people are leaving and what's happening in this country? And just kept it open-ended and let people kind of just say what they thought the story of their country was. Um, they opened up a lot more. So what has it meant to you to be able to do this reporting trip? Oh, that's a big question. I mean, for me, it felt like, <laughs> I mean, it was it was a really amazing opportunity. It was the first time I've ever reported abroad. It was the first time anyone from my organization had ever gone abroad, um, you know, outside of, of Baja California. So it, it felt like a really big deal. Um, and I do think it also helped me get a much better understanding of why people from Honduras were coming, even though I spoke with so many people on the ground here. It was just a completely different experience to actually be there and kind of feel that hopelessness and, and that fear on the ground, because that's something that doesn't resonate as much in words as when you're actually there. So I'm not sure how well, you know, whether I could ever give anyone that same experience in just reading it. But I tried, you know, I tried to do a lot of stories that use the voices of people themselves there in hopes that that would better resonate than if it was just me saying it. So I think, you know, a lot of my stories were vignettes told very directly from the perspective of, of people who I met down there. Maya, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your experiences with us. Maya's stories and her podcast at voiceofsandiego.org. Make sure to tune in for episode four, and don't forget to keep up with all the fun things that IJNet does on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the web at ijnet.org. Thanks for listening.